coming up in the podcast. Because I'm a fully-fledged pessimist, I expected people just to buy the freebie or download the freebie and maybe one or two people to go on to purchase du- Duplicity. Welcome to Amelia's Behind the Scenes Author Diary, an exclusive look at the behind-the-scenes misadventures of the 40-something mystery author. Discover how close she is to releasing her latest novel, hear exciting details about upcoming writing projects, and discover the lessons she has learned along her writing journey so you don't have to make the same mistakes. You can find episode show notes and lots more information at authorpodcast.com forward slash podcast. Hello writers, so I have a confession to make. I've been struggling to sell paid books. I know in the previous podcast I mentioned that I am making sort of consistent sales and I sort of mentioned that I was, I think I actually went in and mentioned what sales I was getting over what months or the sales I was getting per month, but they're not consistent in in the sense that I'm getting daily sales on books it's just every now and then throughout the month someone will download someone will buy one of the paid books and not just download suspicion so that's what I'm kind of mean by I'm struggling to sell paid books part of me wants to be really honest about what published self-publishing looks like because sometimes because the information you see is the Oh, I've made a million dollars. And it's very vague. They don't talk about what they did to get to that million that million dollar sale on whether it's actually sale or profit, which is don't get me started. I'm actually tempted to break down these financial terms and explain to you what these things mean, like the difference between actually maybe I am going to do that because – it's really annoying me the way people talk about money in the self-publishing space because I worked in finance for 11 years, so, which is why I don't have a problem talking about numbers because I just think they're just numbers. But I live in the UK and there's a lot of stigma here about talking about how much money you make because I've worked in places where it's actually part of your contract that you can't talk about what you get. In terms of rights, that's really dodgy because I thought, why do you need to hide that? But anyway, I'll move away from that. But I don't have a problem talking about money because I don't I have this really detached view of when I've put something in a spreadsheet. To me, they're just numbers. And I don't know, it's like they're just a void of meaning for me. And it's because I've worked, spent, you know, eleven years looking at an Excel spreadsheet of many different companies. So this this is why I have a detached view. Even of my own financials, I will sort of think, oh, this is getting too expensive. You know, how can I cut costs? This is, you know, the, the mindset that I've had from working here, which is why I don't have a problem talking about this. So future Amelia here. So I was editing the first part of the podcast and maybe I'm hypersensitive, but what I just said sort of reeks of privilege. So I just want to, you know, check my privilege at the door and just explain to you that even though I have this detached view on money, I do have a very good understanding of what it's like to struggle. And because I struggled most of my 20s with my finances and then I'm cha- I moved country. I moved from Australia to the United Kingdom and 
towards the end of my 20s, I reached a place where I was finally getting paid well. And then when you move countries on that, when you're at that point in your career, it was like I had to start again from the beginning. I was back down at at 30 living on minimum wage, like seven to 10 pounds an hour. And it was a real struggle. Like at some points I was getting to the end of the, I was, I got paid every week. So when I got paid, I immediately paid all of my expenses. And what I was left with was like 20 pounds and that was food for the week. And that meant, yeah, I'm not going out. Like that means no dating, nothing. And it was a struggle for a while and I understand what that's like but at the same time because I've but obviously that that sort of changed the more experience I had in the UK my pay increased but they were also in post-pandemic times too just so that you were I know what that is like I've experienced that but I'm also 40 now I'm in my 40s now I'm married so that's the cold hard truth so I just wanted to pop in there and sort of check my privilege and sort of explain to you my experience Hope, hopefully I'm explaining it and not digging myself into a bigger hole. But back to the podcast. So you get it. I've been struggling to sell duplicity even when after I published Missing, obviously that first book, which later was republished as Suspicion, there was no... If I did like a bargain booksy 99% cent promotion, I could sell it, but there was no one, nothing for anyone that anyone would buy. But I was only doing this because I wanted more reviews because I wanted to encourage full price sales later on down the track. But I tried for free and I realized I could, eventually I got consistent daily free downloads and I was like, oh. And then when I published The Lawn, the candidate there were a few people that did actually buy those again with duplicity when it, when that was launched no one ordered the pre-order surprise I wasn't I just sort of knew that was gonna happen but I did it anyway it was fun people did buy it I don't particularly talk to my family about my books because they're so far away and when I do talk to them talking about my writing just seems like a waste of time because I don't see them every day and I miss out on the things that you miss out on when your family live in a completely different hemisphere. So I don't talk about my books with them and I encourage them to buy. So it's not my family buying. It's just strangers who happen to find it on Amazon. But yeah, after I published Duplicity in November, the sales dried up in December and January I think I got a few I got a few sales in February because it's been a while since I published that episode. I can't actually remember what I what I shared. They were accurate. Actually, I have a spreadsheet. That's a total surprise. No one saw that coming. Let me bring it up. Yeah, so it was in April. Yeah, it was definitely suspicion not suspicion, um, duplicity that I was getting sales on. I just randomly started getting sales. That and sort of the lawn, the locked room, which was released in April. I had a few sales. And I think that because it's a new product, Amazon was probably pushing it. So and I don't think I sort of got sales after May for the locked room. I get a sale a month for the locked room since its launch. Yeah, April was a really good month for sales for duplicity, actually. So March wasn't that bad, considering I've gone from nothing to – it's only eight sales, though. 
I've gone from nothing to 10 sales, sorry. Actually, February it was only one. In January it was nothing other than one print sale for suspicion. Actually, I was getting sales in December, but again, it wasn't, they're not like spectacular numbers. Since I started publishing large print editions, I've actually been getting sales on that, no returns, but I'm not re I'm not selling stuff in quantity to really get returns. And the reason why I'm sharing these spectacular, these less than stellar numbers is because it's honest. And, and this is what it looks like. It's not, this is just what this part of my career looks like at the moment. And I sort of feel if I dress it up as anything else, then that's dishonest. A few days before my 42nd birthday, I realized that Free Booksy had a spot open on my birthday, which, was, which is the 29th of May. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you the results of an experiment and my attempts to recreate the results with a Fussy Librarian promotion, which I scheduled on the 8th of June. So without further ado, let's get into the show and talk about this experiment that I did. Just so you know, this episode was recorded on Thursday, the 6th of July. So this show is primarily me looking back at an experiment that I conducted at the end of May and beginning of June. So if you're interested in reading the transcript or would like links to anything that I've mentioned in the show, then check out the very long blog post or edited transcript at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash BTS055. And just to give you a heads up, I will never publish an episode without that blog post being present on my website. Sometimes I will, even when I've published, even when I've recorded and edited both versions of the podcast, I will still hold on to it because this this blog post just isn't ready or it's not in the format that's readable, if that makes sense. Just fun fact. And if you're new to this podcast, I want to say a huge thank you for stopping by and trying out my show. To those of you who've been faithfully listening, thank you for regularly listening and, and supporting me. Your support means more to me than you know. I know I've been super inconsistent, so you know, an extra special thank you for putting, you know, for putting up with that, not knowing when I'm going to drop an episode. In saying that, though, I will share maybe a warning. Sometime this month or maybe next month, I will need to have an operation to remove those fibroids from my uterus. So I, that may requ require time off, but I'm not sure what that's going to look like at the moment. Maybe it'll be painful. I guess I'll find out when I get there. That may mean... I may not have time to batch record episodes and I may not be able to release them, but I will let you know. I will release like a very short, unedited update into the podcast feed, which is pretty easy for me to do, actually. The initial impulse buying of book two experiments was conducted by scheduling a free promotion on Suspicion, the first novella in my series on Free Booksy for Monday the 29th of May. And just to give you a bit of a maybe background information, Suspicion is, it's really pushing the limits on novella. I could call it a short novel, but I feel like it's might be a bit of a ripoff because it's sort of sitting around 45,000 words-ish. Yeah, so I'm still calling it a novella just because I don't want people in the comments to say, oh, this was really short. So I wanted to avoid that by over-delivering on, on a novella. So this cost me 100 US dollars or about 80 British pounds. 
So why am I doing this? Back in April, I changed the price of Duplicity from $3.99 to $0.99. So between the start of April and the 29th of May, I sold 11 copies of Duplicity organically without paid advertising of any kind. And just so I'm crystal clear, as in I did nothing to drive traffic to Amazon, Kobo, Apple, wherever it's published, I did nothing to drive traffic to those sites and people found it and purchased it. I was curious about what the results would be if I promoted suspicion. Would readers feel tempted to impulse buy my second book? So what did I expect from this? Honestly, I expected a failed result. Because I'm a fully-fledged pessimist, I expected people just to buy the freebie or download the freebie and maybe one or two people to go on to purchase to duplicity at 99 cents. I changed the price of book two as a last effort because I decided that this series was never going to sell because I have five books in the James Lond universe at this point and there's a part of me that's, that thinks I should be selling more than what I am but I've got no data to back this up other than looking at other authors highlight reel and thinking they're selling more than me and that may or may not be true. But it's a very flawed point of view because in order to get discoverability, I need to keep publishing more books. So was I expecting too much of me to reach, to, to have published a second book in the series and have people, more people to buy it because book one has been out for such a long time now? Now it's time for the sales stats. These figures are far from glamorous, but I'm quite happy with the results because, let's face it, I set the bar so low. So keep that in mind. On Amazon, on the 29th of May, I s Suspicion had 1,327 downloads, and this is just on that day. I'm just ignoring, oh no, I'm going to go on and share the, I'll go on and share the 30th and 31st actually, because it's an email. People can open at any time. Duplicity at the time was priced it still is priced at 99 cents and I sold 29 copies. The candidate was priced at 29 at 99 cents at the time because it was a birthday sale and that sold one copy. On the 30th, this is still on Amazon, I gave away 170 free copies of Suspicion. 14 people purchased Duplicity. No one purchased the candidate. On the 31st, I got 50 free downloads on Suspicion and one sale on Duplicity. Over on Apple, on the 29th of May, I had 91 free downloads of Suspicion, no other sales. On the 30th, I had 23, 23 copies of Suspicion were downloaded with, you guessed it, no other sales. On the 31st, 11 people downloaded Suspicion on Apple with no other sales. Now over to Barnes & Noble. On the 29th, I received uh, 77 people downloaded Suspicion. On the 30th, there was 11 and the 31st it was 7. Again, no other sales on Barnes & Noble. Kobo, on the other hand, on the 29th of May, Suspicion had 52 free downloads. There was one sale of Duplicity at 99 cents and one sale of the candidate at 99 cents. On the 30th, there were 24 copies of Suspicion downloaded with no other sales. And on the 31st, only eight copies of Suspicion were downloaded with no other sales. So realistically, this impulse 
book buying experiment really only worked on Amazon, but I'm also wide with five books, like let's be honest. So what does this mean? In a nutshell, 2.9% of readers who downloaded Suspicion chose to impulse buy book two on Amazon. And these readers most likely came from Free Booksy. And how I can tell that these people don't went on, they downloaded Suspicion and then downloaded and then purchased Duplicity just immediately was because they, the downloads for the sales for Duplicity came from the same countries that people downloaded suspicion in. So I don't consider that a coincidence. Like to me, that is, it's enough evidence. Like I don't know for sure, but it's an awful coincidence that a bunch of people in the United States purchase downloaded suspicion. And I've also got a bunch of sales on duplicity from people in the United States. So it's just like, on Kobe, it was Canada. So to me, that's like, mm, yeah, to me, that's why I consider this to me worked. Honestly, it was better than I expected. I was only expecting like a one or zero percent. So basically a fail. I didn't expect to get any sales in the other stores. I honestly was just like, yeah, this is only gonna, maybe I might see one or two sales on Amazon. It wasn't across all of the stores. So considering these readers are yet to read Suspicion and are buying based on on a bargain, I'm really happy with the results. I'm hoping that once they get to the end of Duplicity, because that has a book for, that has a hook, sorry, at the end that has an epilogue that will hopefully build intrigue to book three. So I'm hoping that will push, pull the read through onto the rest of the series. If you've heard something in this episode that was helpful to you and you'd like to support the show, then buy me a coffee for as little as two US dollars at buymeacoffee.com forward slash author ADH. But sales aren't everything. Did anything else that is considered interesting or noteworthy actually happen during this sale? So there were a few things, minor things. So my follower count on Amazon changed from 85 followers to 98 with an extra 13 followers. Over on BookBub, I had an extra two followers taking my count from eight to 10. I know that's really tiny. Even though for me, this is exciting. I'm aware that BookBub will only send release new release notifications to those followers who live in the United States. So it's it's a great feature, but it's utterly useless. So on Amazon, I reached num- the number two position of the private investigator mysteries on the Kindle store. But I didn't keep track of suspicion status on the top 100 free Kindle books for the category because that really wasn't the point. I, for some reason, had decided that my series was never going to sell and I needed to put that to the test. So will I keep my book two priced at 99 cents? And I realized I kind of spoiled this earlier. Yes, I think the impulse buy temptation for some readers is worth it because while my book was set at the full price of $3.99. There was no impulse buy temptation whatsoever. People just downloaded the free book and only 11 people in two months purchased Duplicity. So I sort of feel like for me, for now, it's worth it because I foolishly had no hook 
to the second book in the epilogue of book one, there was no reason for the reader to be interested in a second book. And I do not want to release a fourth edition of that book. I am done revising and re-releasing it. No more. There is a hook at the end of book two that leads to book three. So I'm hoping that in the future, once book three is published, there will be a read through from book two to book three. At the moment, there's no title for book three, which is why I'm referring to them as book two and three. Just in case you're wondering. Now it's time for the most important question. Can I do this again? Or was this just a once-off thing? Can I replicate them? I'm so glad you asked. Sitting in my inbox for a long time was a 25% off the Fussy Librarian coupon. And the last day for purchasing it was the 8th. After discovering it, I knew what I had to do. So for the 8th of June, I purchased another free book newsletter promotion on the Fussy Librarian. And I think I purchased this on the 6th and I was able to secure the 8th. I don't think you necessarily needed to use, you needed to use the coupon on by the 8th but not necessarily have the promotion go by the 8th if that makes sense those were the terms but I wanted to do that just in case I misread it because I previously used this company to promote suspicion after the launch of the third edition and I was happy with the results I was keen to use this company again so with the discount which was 25%, the price of the promotion was $59 US and 25 cents or 47 pounds and 85 pence. And now I'm just going to read through the results of the, the sales and the downloads. So over on Amazon, on the 8th, I had 440 free downloads on Suspicion and 12 sales. On Apple on the 8th, I had 39 downloads on Suspicion. On Barnes & Noble, it was 20. On Kobo, there was 38 free downloads, no sales on Duplicity, but there was a full price sale on The Candidate, a full price sale on The Locked Room, and a full price sale on The Lawn, which is a short story that I sell for 99 cents. On Google Play, I managed to get two free downloads. Yay! Google Play is an interesting store. I like the idea of it, but in, in practice, it's a bit... So did I see the 2% impulse buy with the fussy librarian? So even though these figures are tiny, there is evidence of the 2% impulse buy on Amazon that was present with the free booksy promotion. So that 2% seems to be a pattern at this stage. Although seeing results twice are not a pattern, technically, it looks good that this free 99 cent and then hopefully people will go on to buy a full price book after this. So maybe take this with a grain of salt. But I am a cynic by nature, so you need to take that into account. And I have a need to poo-poo on my own success. It's just I can't let myself enjoy it. This could be... I think I'm trying to protect myself from future disappointments so that when something does bad does happen, I'm like, oh, I was right, which is not, <laughs> it's, that's not healthy. Don't be like me. It's okay to be, be an optimist. I'm just, yeah.
But what is interesting is there were some unexpected results on Kobo. And I do find this these results surprising. And I'll share I'll share why later. So the data can be looked at several ways. And first, this is one person purchased my entire backlist with it with the exception of duplicity, or three people purchased one other book from my backlist. That I just, I'm unable to tell you. On top of this, I received my first review from a reader on Kobo and it was five stars. And it's one of those reviews that you can use in a promotion on social media. And this review was for duplicity, by the way. So now there there is a review there, which is exciting. At this time, I cannot see Kobo plus minutes read for May and June. So I'll have to wait until those details are available. And I can check now, actually. So let's do that. I won't show you my dashboard because I'm not sure if that's against the terms and services of publishing with Kobo. So to view the minutes read on Kobo Plus, you need to go to my account, which is at the top of the dashboard. Underneath, it'll say payment information. So you click on that. And then you'll get like an invoice. It'll just say payment information. There's like a whole list of invoices. So it'll show you the most recent three months of royalties that you're expecting or or have been paid. And then underneath the the third one, there is a show more button. So you click that and you'll be brought to the invoice history page. Yeah, so in April, I did get Kobo Plus earnings, but it was only like £1.86. But for May, I had no minutes read. So those sales, that sale I did in May, didn't result in any more like pages, minutes read for Kobo Plus. It had no effect on that. So you see, yeah, that's fascinating. The thing with Kobo is prior to this, I was considering bailing on Kobo because I sort of I was starting to feel like I'm getting no sales everywhere else I'm just supporting an ideal I'm not making any money and that's not a good business decision just to support an ideal and ideally it is good not to have your eggs in one basket but from my perspective from my limited experience using being wide it's really difficult to make sales on multiple platforms it's like getting blood out of a stone it's much easier for me to get sales on Amazon even though there's so few and this is what it looks like and at, at this time I'm sort of thinking I'm not getting anything out of supporting this ideal I'm not getting any extra benefit but at the same time the people who read in these subscription services they are not book buyers and it's like do I want to give my books away to people who don't see the value in paying for it or do I want to struggle and eventually find readers? So this is like the million dollar question. So I think because I've gone down this path for so long, I don't want to go back to not that I've been. I was in Kindle Unlimited for a hot minute. I don't like the idea of that. It's just to me, it's exclusivity isn't worth I don't think it's worth it. And they changed the rules as well. They have changed the rules in the past. We now have a problem with AI now writing and people are going to exploit that and be pushed. And there are already people who have exploited AI and they're pushing out books like this. And three guesses where they're going to be pushing these books. Kindle Unlimited. So I don't, I don't want to go there 
either for that reason. And I have tried AI and it's hard to get quality out of AI. You really do have to, the prompts that you put into chat GTP in order to get something that's really good quality, you really have to work for it and you need to spend a long time building the prompt. And to me, it's like, I'd just rather be writing than prompting and a bot. Like, but then there are other things that are built on ChatGTP, like PseudoWrite, that I actually do enjoy using it. I don't actually write with PseudoWrite. I have dabbled with editing, not editing, but fleshing out or adding depth to my writing. I've used, I've dabbled with it. I actually dabbled with it yesterday and it was quite, it was quite an interesting experience. I didn't necessarily use everything that PseudoWrite showed me, but I did, um, it led me to consider other things and have other ideas, if that makes sense. But because, you know, the industry is changing, I sort of feel like Kindle Unlimited is less appealing now and that I should just accept that this isn't a gold mine. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme and I never thought it was. And this is the reality of self-publishing at the moment is that it is hard to get your book seen. But I have noticed that the changes with the categories on Amazon, they've had interesting effects. Like on the 4th of July, I woke up to, I think the day after, I didn't, I wasn't really paying much attention to my sales. And then... So I'm just I'm just opening my dashboard as I'm talking about this because I want to get it really accurate. I had 812 downloads in one day on the 4th of July. I did no promotions and I had 20 downloads. Sorry, 20 sales of duplicity. So I'm just going to do some quick math. And again, that is 2.4%. So for some reason on Amazon, I can convince 2% of people who download Suspicion for free to go on and buy Duplicity at 99 cents. This could have an interesting effect if I had more books. So maybe if you have more books than me and for some reason your read-through is diabolical and you're thinking, what have I? What am I doing wrong? You could, and it's read-through from book one to two, you could consider pricing book one for free and having book two at 99 cents and just seeing what happens for a while and just don't leave it for a week. You have to leave it for a few months because if you're not getting any read through already, like change, making these changes to your price isn't really going to affect anything because without, because you're already not getting many sales. So you may as well try this and see if it actually affects your read through, but you may have to stick at it for a good six months because even though I tried this twice on the 29th of May and the 8th of June, I'm seeing similar results in the 4th of July, but will this continue? Is this going to be a pattern? And I won't know if it's going to be a pattern until I just keep trying this for six months. But the beauty, the reason why I'm prepared to do this is this is going to be a long running series. And this is a trope of the mystery genre that I write in is that you have long running series. There is no end in sight. I don't know how this series is going to end. I'm pantsing it. And this is what readers expect. So if you have a long running series like me, like if you have a trilogy, it's probably not going to be worth it. Like this is not worth it. But if you have a long running series, this could be a thing you could try.
So that concludes the results of my book marketing experiment. If you have any questions or have tips on book marketing that you'd love to share with me, come on over to the blog post and share your thoughts in the comments section. In the next episode of the podcast, I will finally share the long-awaited episode on the anatomy of a scene. Also, I will point point out to you, I will keep doing this experiment and eventually maybe I'll do a six-months post started the experiment and share what my the rest of my results are going to be my download results are going to be because I don't think it's fair just to try this once and then not talk about it again in the future thank you for listening and happy reading and writing everybody Thank you for listening to Amelia's Behind the Scenes Author Diary. You can find the episode show notes, back catalogue episodes, and lots more information at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and I'll see you in the next Behind the Scenes Author Diary episode.